Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. I can't imagine. My heart has just been going out for the people of Afghanistan in this last couple of weeks, you know. I just can't imagine what it would be like to to have left everything behind, to flee a country you love, to flee maybe people that you still love, to be able to to flee those places and to and to go somewhere, anywhere, where you hope that there's going to be a new future, where you hope that there's going to be something that would take you to a place for the next generation as well to be able to rise up and, and thrive. They are just such under threat of the violence and the bloodshed of oppressive regimes. And, and some of you may have experienced that out of other countries. You know, uh, we, we've, we have people in the River Life family who have been refugees from other nations and who have come and, and found Australia to be that place where they might, might start something new. But I've just been thinking, what an opportunity it is for the church around the world to wherever these people are going to actually have their arms wide open and to welcome people in that are seeking refuge and to be able to love on them and bless them and show them what the love of God looks like as they're in these times of just great challenge. I just thought we might take a moment to pray for them. Can we do that? Let's do that now. Our Lord and great God, you know, it's a, the reality of some people's lives aren't the same as ours this day, where we sit in comfort whether it be at home or here in the auditorium, and we, 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 we're just aware of safety and your presence. And God, we just think of all those who are right now running for their lives, who are hiding for their lives, who are some who have made it to safety, but now just don't know a language, don't know a people, have been separated from that which they love and know. And we ask, God, that you do something wonderful in your church, your family of God, right across the nations of the world to wherever these people are fleeing to, that that we might be the ones whose hearts are the biggest, whose arms are stretched the widest, whose smiles are the happiest, and are the people who would be so generous to welcome others in, and that your love uh, would be encountered, God, by your, your people who don't yet know you, and, but they would do that through your church. And so we pray, Lord God, we pray for new starts, new beginnings that would uh, be so much more than just a new country or a new place, but would be a new start with the Lord God Almighty. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. Wow. See, you know, many people migrate willingly from all over the world, don't they? You know, uh, my, my grandparents came out from uh, England, you know, so, and my mum, uh, as uh, one of those 10-pound poms, you know, willingly come to other countries to make the most of new opportunities. Many South Africans come here so that their sons can play for the Wallabies. We'll, 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 we'll see that tonight. We know the smarter ones move to New Zealand so that they can be an all-black, but don't, let's leave that one behind. But seriously, I, I wonder, these Afghani people, 
I wonder if they're fleeing their homeland right now. I wonder if they dream about one day returning, not to a desolate wasteland, laid bare by the internal fighting and oppression, but returning to a, a flourishing society of freedom and wealth where beauty and resource abounds to the point that other countries from all over the world stand up and take notice. I wonder if they dream about that. That's the kind of message of hope that Isaiah has been speaking to the people of God. Isaiah prophesies to the people of Israel to come home to Jerusalem out of the captivity that they are in and come home to a place where God's kingdom will break in and all the nations will see God's glory. That's what we've been reading as we've been traveling through the book of Isaiah. It was these words of hope that not only spoke to those people in that moment and in that time, but have echoed down through the ages, not just for a time or a people in history, but Isaiah prophesied about this new king who would establish a new kingdom. And we've seen that Isaiah was speaking about the hope that's found in Jesus, our suffering servant king who took on himself the sins of the world and ushered in a new kingdom the kingdom of heaven brought to earth. And in our passages today, Isaiah looks way forward into the future, even past where we're at right in this moment of time and speaks of a perspective and prophesies a word of hope for all people who would find themselves in God's kingdom. And Isaiah starts to direct us towards the ultimate end point to finality, to an eternity either with or without God. A day of judgment where only two eternities are possible, heaven or hell. Isaiah chapter 65, and we read in verse 11. But as for you who forsake the Lord and forget my holy mountain, who spread a table for fortune and fills bowls of mixed wine for destiny, I will destine you for the sword and all of you will fall in the slaughter. For I called, but you did not answer. I spoke, but you did not listen. You did evil in my sight and chose what displeased me. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. My servants will eat, but you will go hungry. My servants will drink, but you will go thirsty. My servants will rejoice, but you will be put to shame. My servants will sing out of the joy of their hearts, but you will cry out from anguish of heart and wail in brokenness of spirit. Oh, wow, they're challenging words, aren't they? What's heaven like? It's like eating and drinking and rejoicing and, and singing from hearts that are full to overflowing with joy. But the picture of hell is exactly the opposite. It's like a hunger and a thirst and a shame and a crying out in pain and despair forever. Not a very popular topic. But we find it truth in Scripture. In the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, it was perfect. And then we ruined it. 
We were deceived into thinking that we would be better off taking things into our own hands. I have a public confession. That got heads up. Well, I'm a control freak. Many of you are going, yeah, we know. <laughs> not, not something you always put your hand up to say, right? Like you're probably not going to join with me and raise your hand, but there's probably someone giving you an elbow into the side right now. And as a control freak, when things start to get out of control, I just want to take more control. That's just what I do. It annoys me because I know that I need to be more vulnerable. I know that I need to surrender more. I know that I need to ask for help. But what I do when the situations or circumstances seem out of control, I just want to take more control. And this happens in my relationship with God too. When things are feeling out of control with him or the world or the circumstances I find myself in, I, I, I know the answer is to say, God, I just need you. I lay it all down. None of it's mine. It's all yours. Just it's you. But I find myself starting to take control. I'm really not fit to be the one in charge of my own life. <laughs> Only Jesus is. Raymond Ortland put it like this he says um, he says when we decided to take control when we decided to play God instead of allowing him to be God we didn't realize that we were pulling a lever to make God's perfect creation into our perfect hell and when it was in that moment that God did two things he judged us in mercy and he gave us a promise that through Jesus he would reverse all the damage that sin was about to do down through the generations. Ortland again says, in effect, God was saying this. He's saying, it's your fault, our fault, but it's my responsibility. I'm taking you on as my personal project. You need a savior and I'm providing him in Christ Jesus. The world has hope. See, the good news, of course, is found in this gospel of salvation, this invitation for all people to return from their sinful ways and ask to be saved by Jesus. It's in Jesus' obedience to God the Father that he entered into our broken and messed up world that we were a part of making that way to live a perfect sinless life and to die and rise again in order to forgive us our sin and to bring us in perfect loving unity again with the Father, the Creator. Every sin and sinner will be brought to account under the judgment of God. And you'll either have to pay the price for your sin or you can call on the name of Jesus to be saved. That's as easy as it gets. That's as clear as God has made it. The Bible says, for we've all sinned and we've all fallen short of God's glory. It goes on to say that, that each one of us, the, the penalty of our sin is death. And eternity without God. None of that singing and rejoicing and the the joy of the Lord, the hunger, the thirst, the shame, the crying out in pain and torment and despair forever. 
But the love of God for us is that Christ gave himself as our substitute, the cross. He endured hell on the cross so that we might enjoy heaven with him forever. Hallelujah. The Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Jesus. It goes on to say that it is by the declaration of your mouth and the belief in your heart that you will be saved. That Jesus died and rose again to bring you back into relationship with God the Father. If we confess our sin, if we recognize our need to be saved, mostly from ourselves, right? Us control freaks, the ones who want to continue to take control back of our own lives, then the sin that so easily entangles us and weighs us down. And when we call on the name of Jesus, we have a bright and beautiful future that starts now and goes all the way through to eternity. Isaiah goes on to say this in verses 17 and 18 of chapter 65. See, I will create new heavens and new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. Imagine a world where there's no terrorism. Imagine a world where there is no pandemic. Imagine a world where there is no sin or sickness, no wars, no slavery, no poverty. Imagine a place where you won't even remember those things anymore. Does it weigh on your mind day by day what's going on around you and in the world and all those sorts of things? You feel a little helpless and hopeless in those situations. The Bible has good news. If you place your trust in Jesus, there's an eternity waiting for us in the presence of God where we'd be overfilled with the joy of the Lord. And in so, in doing so, you won't even remember these things anymore. Almost sounds too good to be true. That phrase is something we've heard in previous messages through Isaiah, isn't it? But not for our God. Not for our God who clearly gives us opportunity to enjoy him now and forever. A joyful measure of God for all eternity. We'll finally be home with God. The Apostle John saw the same thing as Isaiah and he records it in the book of Revelation. Revelation 21 verses 1 and 4 says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. 
Oh, someone give me a hallelujah. How big is your hope? This is good news for all who are saved. Personal intimacy with God forever and a renewed world of peace and righteousness. God's plan is to both give you a hope now for a life of meaning and purpose now where you would experience the personal intimacy of the Holy Spirit living within you and through you and for a future eternity full of joy and complete peace. It's not just one or the other. God has a plan for you now and he has one for the whole world. I like restoration shows. I love watching old places that were built with such beautiful purpose and intent about making maybe it's a home or a place for people to come and dwell in community together, whatever it might be, and then seeing the restoration take place. Master craftsmen coming in and, and doing their work to be able to now not just you know, strip it back and, and, and give it a coat of paint, but to be able to, to come into those places and, and, and all the years of hardship and mistreatment that have gone on, not only strip that back, but now embedded into the beauty of the old structure, some of the modern things that enable them to enjoy the, whole, the, 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 the thing at a whole new level. Electricity, air conditioning, stovetops, mod cons, seamlessly blended to not only restore, but to bring something new. And that's how the scripture is defining the new heaven and earth. Not destroying the earth as we know it now, but restoring it to its original glory where sin and all the years of brokenness have been stripped away to allow God to dwell with monks and with his people. Heaven's gonna be here. And it's open to all who call on the name of Jesus. Well, what an invitation. I hope there's a hope rising inside of you as I speak. Don't be dismayed by the damage and the brokenness that you currently see. The last chapter has been written and it's quite a fairy tale story, you know, great ending. And we're invited to join in because it's real, it's true. Even more than your enjoyment of God, that can start now. God has made you a new creation. If we've placed our trust in Jesus to be our Savior and Lord of our lives, in control of our lives, the Scriptures tell us in 2 Corinthians, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new has come. If you're in Christ, God hasn't just patched up the old by slapping a coat of paint on top. He's made you new. The truth is what I have personally experienced in my own life. Just believing something can be just like a coat of paint slapped on top, a quick makeover. But God digs deep and brings about a complete renovation of our soul. 
transformed my thinking. He's transformed and renewing my heart. It's then I know God's doing a a deeper, more substantial work where I feel and know I'm a new creation. And God's making us new. And we will enjoy God forever in endless newness. The Bible reminds us, no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Don't get bogged down in the brokenness, in the world's dilemmas. We're not just living for a better weekend, we're living for the end. And today, you may realize from Scripture that today you're not going to be in that camp because you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never called on him to be your savior. You've never said, Jesus, I need to be saved. I'm taking control of my life, but now I want to give it over back to you. I need to be saved. I need you, Jesus. I want that to be my future. I want to sing and eat and thirst and rejoice in you to endless newness for eternity. I don't want to be damned to hell. I don't want to live in eternal separation of you and all of that and live with this endless shame and guilt and pain and sorrow. I want you. And if that is you today, as we've heard before, all you need to do is to put your trust in Jesus. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you right now. Whether you might be at home, you might be watching from your couch, you might be listening to this as you are walking the streets or you might be here amongst us right in this moment. Let's just bow our heads. Let's just stop whatever we're doing, wherever we are and ask Holy Spirit, would you reveal my heart Jesus, I need you. I've been taking control of my own life. And Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my my sins. Forgive me of the things that the penalty is death and forever to be removed from you. And come and make me new. Give me new life in you, Jesus. Fill me with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Come and take over. I ask it in the name of Jesus. Would you now help me, God, by the presence of your spirit to live for you in your ways. I ask it again in the name of Jesus. Amen. Whether you are at home or whether you're here and if you have made that decision to follow after Jesus, we'd love to be able to help you on that journey. We'd love to come and make yourself known to to one of our prayer team members if you're here. Right now, you might just reach out to a pastor online. You can just tick that box that says, I want to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Join a chat group. If you're on YouTube right now, and why don't you transfer over to our online platform where you can have a conversation with a pastor or a host team member, someone there who can pray with you and lead you through that decision. If you're here, of course, come and talk to us after the service. What a hope. What an invitation. 
But you know what? There's a taste of heaven that you and I can have all of the time. Right now, if you and I have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we're we're living as renewed and forgiven people, but we're still in this broken and fallen world, aren't we? The new one's coming, but it's not here yet. And our role in the now and not yet space is to allow our lives to become the conduit of God bringing his kingdom of heaven to earth. Not simply by our good works, but for the Holy Spirit to empower us to live supernaturally natural lives so people might be drawn to the hope of a future with God for all eternity. That's our job. The very last chapter of Isaiah, chapter 66, gives us a clue as to how, as true worshipers, we become a prophetic presence in a dying world, a living invitation for all to join in the delights of God that will last forever. Isaiah 66, verses one and two, says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you'll build for me? Where will my resting place be? Has not my hand made all of these things? And so they come into being, declares the Lord. These are the ones I look on with favor. That should prick your ear up right now, yeah? If you wanna be in God's favors, you wanna be favored by the Lord, you wanna know what it's like, okay? He's the one, he's saying here, what what are you gonna build for me? Seriously, I created the whole joint. Like, and you've just heard, I'm gonna renew it, I'm gonna make it, and I'm gonna come and dwell amongst my people, right? So there's the promise, there's the hope that we live long into. And he says, well, what are you gonna do right now? What are you gonna be here? It's not about, what you can do for me. Here, listen, this is the people I favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. It's not buildings. It's not our liturgy. It's not the style of our worship. God blesses a trembling, humble, contrite spirit. The psalmist says this in Psalm 51, the sacrifice that God is pleased with or that he won't despise is a broken and contrite heart. This is so exciting because this is our entry into revival. True worship is leaning into God with listening ears, longing to hear, a desire to believe, and an intention to obey. God is a heart reader. He's not a lip reader. He wants our hearts that are humble and contrite and that tremble at his word. That's our responsibility. That's our personal responsibility that helps lead us into worship. I know things get complicated. 
because you can easily sit back, whether it's at home online or whether it's here amongst us in the auditorium, and you can expect the heavy lifting to get done by somebody else, the worship leader, the team, the band, the preacher, whoever it is, but they can get it wrong. Every worship leader, every preacher is gonna give you a reason not to listen. Our collective responsibility is to minimize the complication. But your responsibility, our individual responsibility, is to overlook the complication to listen to God. Ben Fitzgerald posted this comment. He said, when I go to church, the pastor, worship teams, everyone serving are there to help throw another log on the fire that I already built. They aren't there to build my fire, that's my job. Believe it or not, I come in to worship here on Sundays and I'm not always ready to be here for the one I came for. I know, shocking confessions of the senior pastor. But it might have been because Robert and I had a fight and I, 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 I've left the, the home and it's, it's not nice, it's not pretty, I know my heart's not in a great space or it might be that I've been here for hours already preparing the facility for you to come and enjoy and be a part of and, and, and I'm feeling a little hot and sticky and sweaty from blower vacuum or something and, 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 and we get into this place and I, I can be sitting down the front here and I'm not, in, I'm not ready to engage with God. Anyone else a bit like that sometimes, Yeah. The kids, they've just gone nuts. It's like wrangling, you know, cats to try to get them into kids' church. It's like, you know, we're flustered, breakfast burnt. I don't know, whatever it is. You can, there's always a million different reasons. So I have to take responsibility when I come in to be in the right space. And I share this with you humbly. It's a hope that this is, will be helpful to you too. As so I want to engage my head, my heart, my spirit, my body in worship. That works for me. It's kind of like an outward expression of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, like everything. So I, I try to be that way. So the first thing I do is this. First thing I do is close my eyes. I just close my eyes. The second thing I do is I start praying. Now I'll pray in my prayer language quietly to myself. I'll just start praying in tongues and I'll just start praying. You can, if you don't have a gift of tongues, you can just pray. Just start praying. Engage your spirit. The eyes engage your mind. They stop all the noise. You know, the, I'm not talking about the audible noise, but the visual noise. And then I just start. And then I just start to call on the name of Jesus. And I might stand there for a few minutes just going, Jesus, 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 until I'm actually in a place where I'm focused on Jesus. And then I do something physical. I lay my hands, or I lay them up, or I do something because I want to engage my body. I don't know, maybe this will help you when you've come in and it's just feeling like, oh, it's all crazy because you know what? I can't rely on my come to Jesus song that I have on my playlist that the worship leader is going to pick it. No, seriously, we all have those songs, right? We have those songs. When we're going, I need that song. It takes me to the heavenly places. <laughs> and you come in here and, well, where are they? Because they don't feel like heaven to me right now. I got to take myself there. 
See, the temptation is to sit back, rate the service, evaluate what suits us. But what we're called to do is to come with a trembling eagerness to hear from God. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble, who tremble at my word. Revival is marked with a a voracious hunger for the truth of God's word. A trembling eagerness to come into the presence of God and to hear from him. A hungering soul seeking to be satisfied with a word from God. When we were singing before, we are on our knees. You ever heard the expression, oh, he's on his knees? In other words, last desperate stakes decided to pray. <laughs> That's where God wants us to start, not finish. He wants us to start in that place where, God, it's all up to you. I've relinquished the control because I desire the future that is awaiting me, but I want it to start now, and I want my life to be lived in such a way. And church, I've got to tell you that we, we, we've got to get better at this. That's the worship that God blesses. That will be the culture of the new heaven and earth. (laughs) And if we want to be a part of it then, we can be a part of it now. We don't have to wait until then. We do in one aspect because not now. But he's made us new creations. There's an opportunity to step in now. And Isaiah captures these two groups of people, true worshipers and those who reject them. These are Daunting words from Isaiah 66, verses 5 through to 6. Listen carefully. Hear the word of the Lord, you who tremble at his word, your own people who hate you and exclude you because of my name have said, let the Lord be glorified that we may see your joy, yet they will be put to shame. Hear that uproar from the city, hear that noise from the temple, It's the sound of the Lord repaying his enemies for all they deserve. The New Living Translation that I put on the screen for you says there, it's the voice of the Lord taking vengeance against his enemies. When you come into worship with a trembling heart, with a, uh, that's right, there's a joy that bubbles up. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is going to be on us forever in all eternity. Why does God care so passionately about the authenticity of our worship? Because every church service is an opportunity for heaven to invade earth. It's where human hearts are deciding whether their Christianity will become the future that God has promised, a joy-filled overflowing of God's presence amongst his people or not. 
God is calling us not to be, uh, he's calling us out of being a religious people. God, we repent for being of a religious spirit. God, on behalf of this church and our people, we repent for the times where we've, we've drawn upon a religious spirit instead of your spirit where we've not come with trembling hearts, contrite. We've worried too much more about all the other stuff when it's really all about you. God, forgive us. God, come and free us from those things that will enslave us They're not going to release us into your joy. Those things won't release us into your presence. They certainly won't give us that prophetic voice to a a world that is hurting and broken and in need of seeing your kingdom. For all they will hear is the whining and the whinging. God, fill us afresh with your joy of being a people in your presence. Remove from us, God, a religious spirit. God, you're calling us to be a God-fearing people. Your word tells us, Lord, that, that religious people will settle for a form of godliness, but they're threatened by the power and will always resist you. God, today I hear your voice. I feel it in my bones. God, you're calling us to enjoy you, to embrace you. If we long for revival, we're going to have to sacrifice our religious culture for the sake of a new creation. For one day, One day we will celebrate in true and endless worship of you, our great God and creator. In the new heavens and the new earth. And this will be the place that really is only adequate for your endless glory to be revered. Because we get a glimpse now and we want to enjoy it. We get a glimpse now and we want to proclaim it. We get a glimpse now and we want the world to see it. We get a glimpse now. We want to walk in the freedom that is found in being a God-fearing people. Lord, I break off the fear of man over this church, over its leadership, and over this people, that we would no longer fear man more than we fear you, our great God, that we would tremble with contrite and humble hearts that we are not coming in here for any other reason than to worship the God of all the universe. Cast that fear off us, God. Cast the fear off that looks to the left, that looks to the right. Cast the fear off that looks to our navel, gazing broadly at ourselves, wondering about ourselves. And Lord, lift our eyes to You. Lift our eyes to You so that we can see others who need to be loved, to see others who need to be engaged, to see others who need to be cared for and connected, to see others who don't yet know, others who God have yet to make the decision to walk for You for all eternity. Set us on a path of freedom. Set us on a path of joy. Set us on a path of love. Set us on a path of forgiveness. Set us on your path for 
our future. We pray it in Jesus' name. God's ultimate invitation that Isaiah has been proclaiming is that we have this opportunity to turn to God through Jesus and enjoy a life of worshipping Him. It's not just in this space. Not a life only for the here and now, but forever. And God's great desire is that we would hold on to the hope for an eternity with Him and that it starts now. To return from our days of exile and slavery and be united with Him in such a way that the nations of the world would see His glory. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. John Piper said, the greatest favour God can do for us is to seek His praise in us as the consumption of, uh, consummation of our joy in Him. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. This becomes our light to the world. Our joy we find in Him. It's time for us to humble ourselves, to seek Him, actively engage with God, embrace His presence and the plans He has for us. Let's respond in worship, shall we? Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.